to say, while the whole Bible is inspired by God and the whole Bible is powerful and effective to teach us righteousness, there are some sermons from Christ, some teachings in Scripture, that if they were followed, they would change your world overnight. Today, the topic that we're going to talk about could, if, if, if the world heard this sermon, just this one sermon from Jesus, and did it, you would wake up to a new world tomorrow. I'm telling you, this topic is so powerful. If this one sermon was listened to and obeyed, families that are divided and bitter and vengeful toward each other would again sit around the same table with laughter and joy. If this one sermon were put into practice in your workplace, morale would soar as people would learn to get along and treat each other with love and respect. Political parties in the United States that are at war with each other would learn how to collaborate, would find a truce, and would work for the common good. Uh, Centuries of hatred between warring people groups and tribes would be put in the past, and nations at war would find lasting peace. This one topic has the power to accomplish all of that. And the topic Jesus teaches on is how to love your enemies. Not neighbors, enemies. Christians, we are called to a higher form of love than those around us. We are called to a supreme expression of love that transcends your emotions and feelings and circumstances entirely. If we learn this love, it can change the world around us. Hey, you believe in the truth of the gospel? Amen? Do you believe in the love of the gospel? And do you put that into practice? That's our challenge this morning. The challenge is to love our enemies. Let's pray and then we'll learn how and why we should love our enemies. Lord Jesus, we give you all the glory as people brought into your presence through your great love. Teach us how to love. Teach us how to love our enemies. Teach us why to love our enemies. And it's all for your glory that we pray. Amen. Okay, open up in your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. Sometimes when people listen to the truth of the Bible, they love it because they walk away with ammunition against other people. You know, you can go to your sister and be like, all the Bible says you shouldn't be doing that. Uh, But today, the Bible is actually going to strip you of all ammunition you have against your enemies and teach you to love them. So in Luke chapter 6, verse 27, little context here, Jesus uh, basically is the uh, speaker at a retreat called the Sermon on the Mount. He gives the Beatitudes to all these people who have gathered to hear him speak. One of the topics he talks on is love your enemies. In order to understand this passage, you have to understand Jesus is about to call out his church from Jewish and Gentile circles which means his church would no longer be under Mosaic law in the same way the nation of Israel was under Mosaic law. Jesus would say the law has been fulfilled. And because it's fulfilled, there was going to be a new law instituted. It's the law of love. Jesus wanted his church, Jew and Gentile, slave and free, male and female, to operate under the law of love. The law of Moses was meant to drive us to Christ. And sadly, in the early church, those who knew the law of Moses tried to come and impose it upon the church. And Jesus said, no, that's not what it's for. That law has been fulfilled. It's now time to operate under the law of Christ. Because of that, what Jesus does is he reaches back into the Old Testament here and grabs some principles. You've heard, here's how you should treat your enemy. But I'm telling you, here's how you now treat your enemy. All right, so all that being said, look at verse 27. Jesus says, but I say to you who hear, love 
your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. This first passage here in verses 27 to 31 answers this question. You can write it down. How do I love my enemy? How? You might be wondering, why should I love my enemy after what they did to me or said to me? Or Okay, we'll get there. We'll get there. But Jesus starts with some actions that he wants you to put into practice. Do this, do this, do this. And therefore, love your enemies here. Love is a series of verbs. It's a series of choices. And it doesn't matter how you feel about them. Jesus is calling you to treat them a certain way regardless of how you feel about them. He's not saying feelings that are required. He's not like, you know, Dave, love them and feel, you know, feel like they're your best friend ever. Like, feel like you love being around them. He's not saying that. He's mandating actions. And the first action that he mandates is the most basic. He just says this. Write this down. Do good to those who hate you. Write that down. Do good even if they hate you. Good means do what is right. Do what is excellent. Leave no room for blame in your choices. And you're supposed to do this to who? To those who hate your guts, loathe you, detest you. They're doing all sorts of wrong to you. They're saying all sorts of wrong about you, and you're supposed to love them by doing what's good. Hey, do you have enemies? You might say, no, everybody loves me. I don't have any enemies. What do you mean my enemy? It's not like there's a villain out there who's plotting my demise. You know, when I say enemy, there could be enemy in the truest form, like a person who hates your guts. It's been ongoing. You've never gotten along, and it's like arch rivals, right? Batman and Joker. Um, But then again, there's also periodic enemies, Meaning you get along most of the time, but then every once in a while there's a flare-up and you become enemies for like a week. And it's just war and then it, then comes the armistice, right? Ceasefire. So there's like periodic enemies. And then there's also the unlikely just random enemies like strangers or somebody who just comes into your life out of nowhere and does something bad or evil. And, and so they're your enemy, but it's, it's just out of nowhere. You do have enemies. You do have people who are hard to get along with. You do have people who are doing wrong to you, Right? You do have people who are doing wrong to you. My question is, are you doing right back to them? You see, when someone hates you and wrongs you, the temptation is to repay their evil with evil. You shout at me, I shout at you. You lie to me, I lie to you. You manipulate me, I manipulate you. You cheat me, I cheat you. Therefore, your enemies in the wrong they're doing are going to be your greatest temptation to do wrong in this life. But here's the thing, you'll lie to yourself and you'll say it's okay that I'm doing and saying wrong things because it's them. It's their fault. I don't do this to anyone else. It's only my middle child who makes me say these things in the moment of anger. It's only that sister who brings me to the point where I'm shouting. But I'm a good person. 
It's them that's the problem. See, you'll do wrong in the name of your enemy. And you'll give yourself permission to do wrong things. Things you know God condemns. And you'll blame them for it. The first thing Jesus uh, challenges you to do is to do good. Start by doing what you already know is right. Start by saying what you already know is right. Otherwise, you're just giving them right back what they give to you. Yeah, well, they hate my guts. They whisper when I'm not around. They're critical and harsh and do right. Do good. Do what will leave you blameless at the end of the conversation. A perfect example of this would be King David and King Saul. Do you know the story of David and Saul? God told David he was going to be king. Problem, there was already a king on the throne. King Saul didn't like that another king had already been anointed by God. You know the story of when David went out and killed Goliath? I mean, the people were so, they were chicken. The army was just chicken running. And David delivered the people and led to a great military victory. And what thanks does he get? The king puts men at his house and orders them to execute David because David was becoming more popular than King Saul. Now, you might hate your boss, but until your boss hires hitmen to stand at your door to take you out on your way home from work, you don't have as bad of a boss as David did. In addition, after David had to be let down from the window by his own wife so he could run for his life, the king gave his wife to another man. David lost everything because of King Saul. David was on the run. He had no food. He had nothing. He had this this rowdy band of rebels who gathered around him and supported him. And then one day, King Saul, who was out hunting David down with an army, ducked into the same cave David was hiding in. And it was David and Saul and all of David's men. Now imagine if that was you. This is the man who ruined my life, took my family away. I did nothing but good for him, and here he is right in front of me. How would you feel about that man? You wouldn't want to love him. What did David do? David let him go. All these tough men, kill him, kill him. David let him go. And then after Saul left and went down, David came out. You know what he did? He bowed down. King Saul, let it be seen in the eyes of all that I do not wish you harm. I could have killed you and I chose not to. He honored his enemy. Do you know that Saul broke into tears and wept and said, who repays good for evil? He said, I've repaid your good, David, with evil and you've repaid my evil with good. And then he blessed David and said, I know you'll be king. And then he went home. What a terrific example of how you can do good to the person who is trying to ruin your life or your day or your week. Hey, are you repaying evil with good? Do you have a settled conviction that it's always the right thing to do the right thing? Do you never give yourself permission to do wrong because you know that other people can't permit you to sin? Hey, love your enemies by doing good, even if they hate you. Here's the second one. Bless them, even if they curse you. Jesus goes on to say in verse 28, bless those who curse you. This is now what you're doing with your mouth. Hey, ask yourself this. What are you doing with your mouth toward your enemies? What is your mouth saying to your friend, to your bestie on Facebook? What are you texting to people about your enemy? Are you blessing them, even if they're cursing you? The word bless means to speak favorably. It means wishing goodness upon them. The word curse means to invoke desire, uh, 
to, to invoke or desire harm, perhaps supernatural judgment, and to wish evil to befall them. All right, all right. So, so Ken here is having a real hard time relating to someone in this room. Let's say, let's say Tom. You know, and so Ken, he would never do this. But let's say Ken, in a moment of weakness, asks God to bring harm upon Tom. Ruin him. I want spiritual harm to befall him. You would, of course, never desire that for your enemy because you're a Christian, right? And Christians never feel that way about anyone in this world. I didn't get any amens on that, which is good because you're being honest. But in a moment of weakness, Ken is wishing for harm to come upon Tom. What is Tom to do? Well, he's to bless. He's to invoke goodness, to wish favor and kindness back to Ken. Hey, do you have people who want to see you suffer? Like they want for nothing more than to watch you wipe out and fall. They want to see you slip up, and, and they want to be able to say, oh yeah, you, that's the way a Christian parents his child, huh? Oh, that's how your marriage works, huh? Oh, that's how you, do you have people who like love it when you slip up? And oh, they'll tell you. How do we bless those people? How do we speak kindly to them? When they trip up, how do we say kind things? How, with our mouths, can we bless and love our enemies? Boy, this is a challenge. I mean, we have to verbally say nice things about them. We have to make sure we don't slander or gossip them. We have to make sure that we speak kindly, even if they're speaking harshly. You know, Joseph is a great example of this one. Do you know the story of Joseph? A lot of older brothers. Anybody have older brothers in the room? Okay. Joseph told his older brothers one day he would be king over them. Big mistake. Okay. That's like increased noogies tenfold. So Joseph got totally beat up by his brothers. And then the day came where they didn't even want him alive anymore. So Joseph's brothers threw him in a well, had lunch, and over lunch discussed how to kill him. Then they thought, let's not kill him. It'll be even more fun to make a profit on getting rid of him. So they sold him into slavery. They took the money. And then they went back home and told dad that Joseph got eaten by wild animals. Now, maybe you had crazy siblings, but your siblings didn't sell you into slavery. Maybe they wanted to, but they didn't do it. Joseph's brothers did. Then overnight, Joseph became the prince of Egypt in charge of everything practically. And then because of a famine, his brothers came to Egypt and they had to fall on their faces before Joseph and beg for food. Now admit it, that'd feel pretty good, wouldn't it, for your enemies to have to fall before you and beg for even bread? Maybe I will give you bread. Maybe I won't. I remember all those times that you picked on me in seventh grade, but now, ha-ha, I'm in charge. I mean, imagine the power that Joseph felt over those who ruined his life. And what did he do? It took him a little while, but he forgave. He forgave. And, and even after his father went and the brothers came and said, now he's going to take it and now he's going to pay us back, Joseph blessed his brothers. He said, hey, you meant it for evil, God meant it for good. What a challenge for us, those who speak so harshly of us and those who say such terrible things about us. And then what do we do? We, with our mouths, we wish for repentance. We wish for blessing to come upon them. We wish for them to see the light. We, we wish for them. We have to say it. Are you saying good, kind things about your enemies? 
Or any chance you get, are you just with your mouth, are you just tearing them up? Hey, how do I love my enemies? Well, do good even if they hate you. Bless them even if they curse you. Here's the next one. Pray for them even if they mistreat you. Jesus says, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. So abuse, mistreat, it can mean insult. They use you. They verbally or emotionally, they are overbearing to you. Do you have any people like that who verbally or emotionally, maybe even physically are just harsh, rough, mistreat you? The Bible says pray for them. Pray for them. Do you, do you pray for your enemies? Those people who are the toughest to get along with, do you actually get down on your knees and talk to God about them? I mean, when you start to pray, pray for your food, pray for your family, pray for your country, but do you get around to naming those who are the hardest people to get along with in your life and to actually pray for them? Pray what? what like they, they win the lottery? Pray what? Did all their dreams come true? Like, okay. It's not like you have to pray that they get away with stuff, but can you pray that, they, that God would open their eyes to what they're doing to other people? Can you pray that God would show them where these destructive habits are going to take them? Can you pray that God would give you an open door to share the truth of Christ with them? Can you pray that God would show you what it is that's leading them to be this way so that you can truly get to the heart of it? Can you pray that God would help you resolve this last conflict because you know you need the strength to do it? I mean, are you praying for your enemies? We don't want to pray for our enemies. We don't want to pray for them. Would you, would you ever, after your enemy does something or says something to you, would you pray that God would forgive them for it? Could you? You know, Jesus was on the cross, and he prayed for his enemies. He, the soldiers who just drove three nails through his body, he looked down and he said, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. Do you have that level of empathy? for those who are making you miserable, that you would actually be able to let go of this hurt and trust God to deal with it? Pray for them. Hey, I want to challenge you this week. Whenever, whenever an enemy strikes again, and I can't believe what she just said. How dare he talk to me that way? That's so unfair. I just want you to stop and pray for your enemy. First thing you do, don't pick up your phone and call your bestie. You know what she said to me? I'm going to tell you what she said to me. And you know that your girlfriend, who loves getting the drama feed from you, is going to be like, tell me what he said. He said that. I can't believe he said that. Well, you better call him back, and you better say this. and Call your bestie and say, well, you know, I just prayed for him. What? Well, that ruins my drama feed. What do you mean you prayed for him? That's no fun. Give me some sweet, juicy, tasty gossip or something. I'm going to have to get back on the soap operas if you don't keep my life interesting. What do you mean you prayed for him? Tell people you're praying for your enemy. Tell them. You know what? I prayed for him. I prayed that God would forgive him for that. Well, he's not going to stop then. Well, it's just going to get worse then. You know what? I'm just going to pray that it gets better. How do I love my enemies? Do good even if they hate you. Bless them even if they curse you. Pray for them even if they mistreat you. And then Jesus gives a few examples here of what this looks like. It's best not to take these next few things as like 
like specific details of when this happens to you all, every time you have to do this. It's more of an example of these principles that we just covered. So in verse 29, here's the first example. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. From one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. So write this down. Endure insults without retaliation. Endure insults without retaliation. Uh, The portrayal here is that someone strikes you on the cheek, turn the other cheek. You've heard this before, right? Turn the other cheek. Turn the other cheek, right? Turn the other cheek. All right, but what is this? Is this like some sort of a, like it legitimizes domestic abuse? Like the next time your husband cracks you, give him the other cheek? Like, what does this even mean? You know, there's that whole uh, thing going on right now with that knockout game, right? People run up behind people and crack them on the jaw. You're supposed to get up and give them the other cheek? Okay, that's not what this means. It's not like every time someone physically harms you, you're supposed to just you know, let it happen. How do we know that? Well, look at verse 22. If you peek back at verse 22, you learn from the context that Jesus says, blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil. Why? On account of the Son of Man. Meaning, it's best to see this as, why did I just get slapped? Probably because a synagogue official or some ruler thought that I was like, you know, in, in telling about Jesus, I committed some blasphemy, all right? So in, in the court, Jesus got slapped for blasphemy. Paul got struck on the mouth for speaking out against the high priest. So it seems best not to say, every time someone hits you, let him hit you again. No, this is an example of if someone would even dare to insult you by cracking you across the face because of what you just said about Jesus, give him, do it again. Don't retaliate and ruin your witness Take the insult for Christ. All right? So just to be clear, I'm not saying here that you're supposed to just allow physical violence on you or on your family. And Oh, I wish I could help my wife as she's being mugged. But the Bible says I'm supposed to turn the other cheek. Wrong, wrong, wrong. This is one example of someone who was probably slapped for their faith in Christ and they're not retaliating because of it. It was an insult. It's also important to realize that today, if a cop like pulled you over and you got sassy, the cop couldn't just like crack you across the face, right? Or at least legally they shouldn't. But back then, the soldiers, the synagogue official, they could. Okay? It was like within the parameters of their authority to order that you get cracked across the face. It was just a different time back then, all right? But I would say this. You might be wondering, well, what do we do if laws are being broken? What am I supposed to do if I'm supposed to, you know, it says here, if someone takes your cloak, give them your tunic also. It's like, well, if somebody breaks into my house, am I supposed to show them to my closet and say, no, no, no. All right. I'm not saying that. This is uh, governing our behavior with enemies within the confines of the law. All right. Within the confines of the law. If a law is being broken, a policy at your work is being violated, you have every right to seek justice or reparations or what's fair. Okay. Careful though. You still have to love your enemies. You still have to seek justice in a way that doesn't transgress any sort of moral boundary. Even if they are wrong, even if they did break the law, even if they did do something that's against Paul, that doesn't give you the right to now become unloving toward them. Even when you're seeking justice, you have to do it in love. So endure insults without retaliation. Are you willing to accept insults? Are you willing to... To endure the indignity of someone saying that about you or your family? or Are you willing to just take it and turn the other cheek rather than blow your witness? 
by lashing back. Okay, so that's one example of these put into practice. Here's another one. Write this down. Give to those who won't or can't repay, repay you. So this is another example of where your enemies come from in verse 30. It says, give to everyone who begs from you and from, no, uh, from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. As you wish that others would do to you, so do to them. So this could refer to somebody who just asks you for something and you are pretty sure they're going to take advantage of you. Like, okay, I could give you, I could help you, but you know what? I'm just not sure that this is going to be used wisely. I'm not sure that this is going to, you know... Am I supposed to give to someone who's going to take what I give to them and maybe squander it, maybe not bad? And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says, yeah, give to those who ask from you. Err on the side of being loving. Well, wait a minute, why is that good? We're not supposed to enable people, right? We're not supposed to enable people. We're not supposed to, okay, true. That's true. You're right. I know what some of those people do with that money. Okay, that's true. You're right. But it's not loving. It's not loving. The loving person, when they see a person in need, even if there's suspicion that it might not be, you're going to give. You're not going to give so that you're enabling, but you're going to find a way to give so that an expression of love is shown to them. All right? There's ways to do it so that you're not taken advantage of. And you're going to give even if you know they're never going to give it back. The Bible consistently just describes how we're supposed to meet the needs of our enemy. Romans 12.20, we'll put it on the screen, says to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you'll heap burning coals on his head. That would actually be really funny to just do it literally. Like the person you hate the most, just be like, hey, here's some portillos. I went there, I was just thinking of you, here you go. And then just like see what happens, wouldn't that be cool? Just let him think about it. Did you poison this hot dog? No. No. You spit in it. No, I didn't. Just, I was just, just wanted to get you something. I have a thought of doing even basic, meeting basic needs for your enemy. That's what we're called to. You know, maybe you struggle with this one in your family. I'm not lifting a finger to help her. The last time we helped her, she was ungrateful. Oh, she got herself into this mess. She's going to get herself out of it. You know what? He already owes me money. And I know exactly what's going to happen. True, true, true. Not loving. Not loving. Okay, you know what? We don't want her. We don't want to enable her, so we're not going to do A and B. But you know what? We're going to figure out C and D. We're going to figure out ways to show kindness, even though she took advantage of us last time just so that she knows we love her. Can you do that? Can you love those people who've taken advantage of your love in the past? These are just two examples Jesus gives of how to love our enemies. Now, I know what you're wondering. You're like, okay, I've got all of these ways to love my enemy. Why would I do that? I don't want to do any of that. I don't even want to talk to them. Christians would never say that. Here's number two. Write this down. You know you're wondering it. Why should I love my enemies? Why? Why would I do that? I don't want to do that. I don't feel like doing that. They don't deserve me to do that. Why? Well, Jesus answers that question in verse 32. He says this. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. 
If you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. Why should I love my enemies? He gives us two reasons here. Here's the first one. If I don't love them, I'm like them. Write that down. If I don't love them, then I am like them. Do you know when you repay evil with evil, you become evil? Hey, has your enemy allowed you to be made into their own image? You know, I talked to a woman once. Her marriage was just starting to go to a rocky place. She told me all the things her husband was doing wrong, all the ways he was treating her wrong. And I said, well, you know, God can turn this thing around. He can save it. She didn't want to hear it. So then she took drastic action in the marriage. And then several months down the road, I sat down with her and I heard all these things that she had done in retaliation. And I said, do you realize you've done everything you told me he did? Do you realize everything you hated about your husband you have now become? Do you realize you're now him? Needless to say, she did not like to hear that. And we don't like to hear that. But when we give ourselves permission to lash back, shout back, hit back, lie, we're becoming like them. We're becoming like them. Jesus says, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? Sinners do that. If you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners do that. If you lend to those whom you respect to receive, sinners do that. You're acting just like them. You're just doing what they're doing. So if the deal in your book is, you love me, I love me too. Let's love me together. You don't love me? I don't love you either. In other words, if you put me on your list of people to love, I'll put you on my list. Oh, you took me off of your list? Well, then you're off of my list. You're being just like them. You're turning into them. What sense does that make? Why? Why would I do this to my enemy? They don't deserve it. After the way they talk, well, if I don't love them, I'm going to become like them. Hey, the next time your enemy strikes again and you blow up and slander them behind their backs and you say all sorts of unkind things, do this. I want you to pick up the phone, call your enemy. And I want you to say this. Enemy, I want to be just like you. I just want to thank you for being my role model and how to relate to people. I'm learning so much from you, and uh, I just wanted you to know. I want to be like you. Thanks. Do it. You, you, that's what you're doing. That's what you're saying. That's what we're saying when we give it right back. To, we're learning from them. We're learning to be like them. How would I treat them with kindness? Well, if I don't love them, I'm going to become like them. I'm going to become like them. The other reason is this. If I don't love them, jot this down, I have no reward from God. I have no reward from God. Jesus really wants you to know that there's a great reward waiting for you if you love your enemy. He says it several times. He says in verse 32, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? Verse 33, if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? Verse 34, if you lend from whom you expect to receive, what credit, benefit is that to you? And then he says in verse 35, But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great 
your reward will be great. But if you don't love your enemies, God has no reward for you. Listen, this is the truth, Christian. God will not bless your actions if you hate and retaliate. He won't help you. He won't bless you. He'll allow the damage to continue. He won't turn things around. Nothing will get fixed. It won't profit you at all. Everything will get worse. Yeah, but my boss is a jerk. I find ways to hurt him and the company, and I can't wait for the day when I look him in the eye and say, no blessing for you. No blessing for you. This church, I can't stand it. I'm going to get with those leaders, and I'm going to tell them what I think. No blessing for you. No blessing for you. No help for you from God. No reward for you from God. Hey, next time you're about to start rising up or cursing or slandering or blowing up, just before you do it, I want you to get down on your knees and I want you to say, Dear Lord, please withhold your, your blessing from me. Please, Lord, give me no reward for what I'm about to do. I don't want anything to get better. Don't fix this mess. And I want you to make sure it gets worse. In Jesus' name, amen. Then go and have your way. That's what you're doing. That's what I'm doing. When we hate our enemies, we're asking God to allow it to become worse. There'll be more conflict and more strife. If I don't love them, I'm going to become like them. If I don't love them, I have no reward from God. See, and this is where we're getting to the very deepest core of your heart. Do you believe when you're wronged, the best and most effective way to make it right is to unleash your wrath. You see, because if you blow up, that is what you believe. You believe that unleashing your wrath is the best way to fix things. I'm going to make it right. I'm going to make sure this doesn't happen again. You really are telling yourself the lie that my wrath is the way to bring about peace and change in this relationship. You really believe that. But is there a better way? There is. And I want to show you, deep down in your heart, that you can believe God's love is the best way to make it right. So jot this down. Why would I do this? If I do love them, I'm like God. If I do love them, I'm like God. He says in verse 35, Love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great. You'll be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your father is merciful. Hey, if you love your enemies, you become like your God. If you hate your enemies, you become like your enemies. Who do you want to resemble? Who do you want to emulate? Who do you want to make your role model? Them or God? This is a chance when your enemy rises up and says that or does that or doesn't do that. This is your chance to do your God impersonation. All right. Have you seen impersonations before? I don't do them, but I think there's a couple that I can do so you can just see what I'm getting at here. Okay, so who am I? Who am I? Adrian! Come on, who am I? Rocky, right? You got that one, right. Okay, how about this one? How about this one? You can't handle the truth. It's a really bad Jack Nicholson, right? <laughs> it's a bad impersonation, but you figured it out. Okay, wait, who am I now? Who am I now? Who am I now? I've got an enemy here, and I'm going to go and do something very loving for him. There's, there's a little Portillo's for you just to make your day. I just wanted to. Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? That's, that's God. Oh, you just did your God impersonation. Oh, you just, you just resembled God for a moment there. 
All right, are you seeing what's happening here? If I love them, I'm like God to them, which means I become a divine force in their life, a means by which God introduces himself and his love to them. Do you believe in the truth of the gospel? You want to tell that to some people? Well, I want to tell it to them. You're a sinner, and you're good. Do you believe in the love of the gospel? Do you? Do you want to show that to some people? Because if you believe in the love of the gospel, then you believe that it's strong enough to radically transform even your worst enemy. Do you really believe that? Do you really believe the love of Christ is strong enough to transform your worst enemy? If you believe that, you will give that to them. Deep down in your heart, believing that is the strongest force, the best thing you can do to prompt total change in the situation. If you don't give that to them, if you hold that back and you unleash your wrath, you don't believe in the love of Christ. You believe they can't be changed. They deserve to be condemned. If you believe God's love can radically transform even your worst enemy, you'll give them that love and you'll trust God's love to accomplish more than your hatred ever could. That's the thing. I don't want, I don't want you to walk away from this sermon and be like, fine, I'll pray for them. Even though they're going to totally take advantage of me and this is going to make it even worse. Because then I can't even shout back at them. This is going to be totally worse. I want you in your heart to realize this is in every way a better move on your part. It's going to change you for the better, keep you from becoming like them, and unleash God's powerful gospel love on them. In every way, it's a better, more effective, stronger move for you to love your enemy. But you've got to believe that if you're really going to do it. You've got to believe that I'm making a worse decision by unleashing my wrath that's going to lead to worse conditions in the relationship. Do you believe that? If I do love them, then I'm being like God. And in this sense where it says you'll be a son of the Most High, it means you'll resemble God. There'll be a likeness that they'll see between you and Him. Sometimes when my son Jared is being funny and quirky and my mom will look at me and say, He's you. Meaning, He reminds her of me when I was his age, right? Sometimes when my son is being naughty, she'll look at me and say, he's you, he's you. I've got, this is a picture of me and my son, Jared. On the right, there's me when I was about his age and there's Jared on the left. You see, there's a little resemblance there, right? There's a little resemblance there. And like father, like son, when you love your enemy, your enemy is going to see something that resembles God's love. They're not going to know what to make of it. They're going to be like, where did that come from? And then when they hear the gospel, when they know the truth of God's love, that'll, that'll remind them of the way you treated them. Hey, if I do love them, I'm like God. If I don't, I'm like them. And here's the other one. If I don't love them, I have no reward from God. If I do love them, I have a great reward from God. Write that down. If I love them, I have a great reward from God. In this life, if you're a peacemaker, the blessings will come. God, what blessing? What's the reward? What's, am I going to win the lottery? No. Okay, the reward of peacemakers is you will have a harvest of righteousness. God will bring you vindication. 
God will bring you justice. God will bring you peace. God will change your heart. The reward of being a peacemaker in this life is great. And in the next life, when God finds out, wow, you put up with a whole lot at your job, there's some sort of eternal reward for how you deal with injustice in this life. There's a great reward in this life and in the next life. But you have to love your enemies. It says, be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Ultimately, why would I, why? Why would I love my enemies? Because I want to be like God. I want to be like God. I want to be like Jesus. And do you know what the word merciful means? It's a great word. Merciful means I don't give you what you do deserve. Meaning, based on what you just said and did, you deserve a tone. You, you deserve, but you know what? I'm merciful. I'm not going to give you what you deserve. I'm going to hold back. That's mercy. Do you know God is merciful toward you? Do you know the Bible says in Romans 5.10, we were God's enemies? I don't know why you think God saved you. God looked down from heaven on me, and he was just so in love with me. I was like his child, and he just picked me up and adopted me into his family. Listen, you weren't a care bear. You weren't, you weren't like furry and fuzzy. and free. You were an enemy of God. You were Al-Qaeda, part of the global insurgency to rise up against the throne of God and kill him when you can and take over. That, that's the team you were on. He didn't look down. He's like, you're so cute. Come here. He hated what you were doing. His wrath would have fallen upon you eternally. That makes the love that he showed you even more. He loved his enemy. And when you realize that the love God showed you was for an enemy, you can show that to the enemies in your life. You're being like God. You're being like God was to you. I want to give you a chance right now to respond to what you heard. Let's take a moment right now and pray for our enemies. Let's close our eyes. Let's bow our hearts. And I want to give you just a a moment of silence here. I want to give you a time where in your own heart you can bring names before God, names of people who are very hard to relate to, names of people who you can't quite get along with, the people who you would find most undeserving of your love, bring their names right now to the Lord, and I want you to pray for them. Lord Jesus, help us to change how we treat and see our enemies. Thank you for loving your enemies. Thank you for loving us. Why on earth would we ever want to treat these people that way? There isn't a reason on earth. But thank you that in heaven you look down with love for your enemies. 
Thank you that you showed us the power of your love to convert even the vilest offender. Teach us to believe in the power of your love. Teach us to bring that into the relationships that are most damaged and broken by sin. Forgive us, Lord, for when we sin in the name of our enemies. Forgive us, Lord, for when we do wrong to the people who most need a display of your love in their lives. Forgive us. Lord, we just pray that we would start this week to the best of our ability as you help us to show this love for our enemies and forgive us when we slip, forgive us when we lose it. Each day, help us to do a little more to turn the relationships around. And may we find a great reward from you above. In Jesus' name we pray.